0: Hello and welcome to Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. I am your host, Demo. My co-host is Joe Taylor. This is episode 70. Hey, man. Welcome back. Good to see you, Joseph.
1: Happy holidays.
0: Yes. Whatever you're listening to this, whether it's before Christmas, after Christmas, uh, February, Valentine's Day, (laughs) happy
1: holidays. Boxing Day, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. We're happy to be here no matter what. Joe, big news coming out of Hollywood. I'm sure you know this already. I'm sure everybody knows what Uh Warner Brothers is
1: doing. Yep. Kicking everything to 10 years down the road. There are no more movies. What are you talking about? Christmas is canceled. No! I thought all their theatrical releases are not coming out next year. Oh my God. You don't know about this? No, this is something else?
0: Everything that they're releasing next year is instantly going to HBO Max.
1: Okay, that's what I was talking about. Oh, that didn't sound like it. Well, they're booting everything into 2022, aren't they? No. Everything that was going to come out in 2021
0: is coming out in 2021, but it's being released directly to HBO Max the same day it's in theaters.
1: Okay. I did hear that. Okay. I thought there was something about things being pushed too. Well, things have already been pushed, but now they're like no more
0: pushing, at least for Warner Brothers sake. They're just going to just release them right there. And I'm all over the place with this. It's sort of a mixed bag. Part of me is like, great, I ain't got to go to the theater because I still don't want to go to the theater. I'll know everything is COVID cool when I'm watching Top Gun Maverick in the theater.
1: That's going to be older than the original by the time it comes out. Exactly. <laughs> so in the meantime, like, yeah, give me these movies. Also, it'll probably get me to watch movies I wouldn't go and see in the theater for in the first place. You know, yeah, I guess, you know, you can still go to theaters in a lot of parts of the country, but not in L.A., that's for sure. Right. Actually, I heard here's a fact for you. Highest grossing movie last weekend, The Crudes, at $14 million. That's an animated film. Yeah. $14 million, Demo, was the top box office spot domestically. Yeah, yeah this, no one's this going. weekend usually is a couple hundred million. There's usually an Avengers or something. Not at Christmas, but thanks. Well, something. Yeah, Christmas time, there's always
0: something, but not this year. Anyway, it's a kind of a big deal. They say it's temporary just for this year. We shall see. Yeah, we'll see is correct. Thank you for your exciting engagement on that.
1: Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I'm here for you, man. Yeah, thanks.
0: All right, then let's do a review then. Okay, what do you got? All right, I got Netflix's Oscar-darling hopeful, Mank, directed by David Fincher. It's his passion project about Herman Mankiewicz, the man who wrote Citizen Kane. Yeah, and it's his passion project because... His father wrote the screenplay, Several years ago. His late father wrote the screenplay several years ago. He's always wanted to make it. Now he has the clout to make it. It's a movie no one would want to see. Who's asking for this? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't asking for it, even though I was like, okay, David Fincher, it should be cool. I am a big fan of Citizen Kane, even the fact that I think the middle is, you know, slow or whatever. Still, I've seen Citizen Kane several times. I know a lot about it. So much has been written about it. And finally, we're going to get a movie explaining how it was
1: written, how it was made. Right, Joe? Yeah. Can I just say I had expectations real quick? I had expectations too. Because remember two years ago, one of my favorite shows was The Last Tycoon about Mm -hmm. old Hollywood. Yep. Last year, I really enjoyed Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. So when you said, here's a movie about old Hollywood, I thought that's right up my alley. It's going to be great. Yep. Go on. This is the most boring thing I've seen this year. Yeah. This was Dullsville,
0: a snooze fest of epic proportions. Talk, 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 talk. Okay, in this scene, you're going to talk, and she's going to listen, and then you're going to listen to her talking back to you, and then you're going to go in this scene here, and then you're going to talk, and it's going to be talking, 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 and I don't care. Oh, my God. And it's got great actors in it. Gary Oldman, Amanda, say her name. Seyfried? Seyfried, you know her. Yeah. The guy from Ozark, Tom Pelfrey. Yep. Arliss Howard does a great Louis B. Mayer. Yeah. Great Louis B. Mayer. Great performances in this for nothing. And I like old Hollywood too. I like stories about Hollywood. And I thought this would like, you know, be like an homage to Citizen Kane visually. And why there are a couple, you know, yeah, drops was. here and there. And I like Fincher's little touch of putting in the cigarette
1: burns, you know, when the reels are going to change. Yeah. Oh, clever. And the super long shot with the three depths of fields, which was right out of Citizen Kane. Right. A lot of cinematography nerd stuff. Yes. But drained of all energy.
0: I found it to be lifeless. This is the most boring thing David Fincher has ever made. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's doing really well with the critics. It's got an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes, a 75 with the audience. I'm sorry. I watched it today. Right before I came over here to record this, I'm like, I I was excited for it, man. You know, I like David Fincher, generally speaking. Yeah. But oh man, what a zombie movie, dude!
1: Yeah, I uh, started watching it because I knew that you were going to talk about it. Uh, I didn't quite finish it. I probably still will, but I don't, don't bother. Know. Don't, don't bother. bother. A friend of mine called me while I was
0: watching it. He goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm watching Mank." He goes, "Oh, I'm watching it right now too." But I'm so bored I called you. I go, how far along are you? And he goes, "Uh, looks like we figured out where I was. And he was was 50 minutes ahead of me. And he goes, if you think it's going to get any better, forget it. Oh, no. Yeah. I would not go back to watching it, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted to like this. But it was boring. Nothing ever happens on Mars. Did you ever see that uh, Waiting for Guffman?
1: I've seen Waiting for Guffman. Right, and they had that song where
0: they were like, nothing ever happens on Mars. Like, boring, boring. (laughs) The whole time I'm just going, it's like that song is playing in my head. Boring, boring. Oh, my God. Sorry, folks. That's Mank on Netflix, and it's two hours and ten minutes, man.
1: Yeah, that's a bad sign.
0: Two hours, ten minutes. If it's a good movie, okay, it's good. I'm on board. But man, it felt like three hours. And yeah. I started it. And I stopped it. And I like I started it last <laughs> night and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm excited. I fell asleep. I'm like, well, it was just you know, I started at midnight. What was I thinking? I'll start it again in the afternoon tomorrow. Couldn't save it. Nothing could save this.
1: Now I'm not a huge Gary Oldman fan, but this wasn't his best work, or maybe he just didn't have enough to work with. But about five minutes of him was plenty for me in that character. There was a really funny line, though, because there's actually a lot of really good quips because he plays, obviously, a very talented writer. Mm-hmm. There's some good quips. That was the one redeeming thing. In fact, there was one that stuck out to me. They were talking about, how are we going to get people in movie theaters? And one of them said, well, we could play these movies outside, which I thought was funny, you know, chasing people in. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Mank. Purge. Ah! Sorry, folks. This next one I've got. This was pretty heavily promoted on Netflix. You've probably seen little panels for it, even if you haven't watched it. This is called Hillbilly Elegy. Mm-hmm. Now, this stars Glenn Close uh, and Amy Adams. A couple other people you may recognize, but those are the big stars. Directed by none other than... Ron Howard. Yeah. What better director could you want for something like this? Now, this is the story of a young man who grew up in Kentucky in a very, uh, well, hillbilly uh, neighborhood uh, lifestyle, ended up going to Yale. It's a true story. This is based on a memoir by J.D. Vance. I guess
0: very popular and controversial. Um, I don't know. Everything I've read about it, it's just
1: like it explains Trumpism or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can see why people would say that. But it definitely tells... A story that a lot of people, especially coastal elites like us, may not have heard before. Now, it deals with addiction. Amy Adams plays JD's mom. She gets addicted to heroin after being on pills. That's a story we've seen play out in the news in the last decade and a half anyway. um, It really gets into the nitty-gritty of that, and I thought they did a fantastic job addressing that. It reminded me of Beautiful Boy, that Steve Carell, Timothy Chalamont movie. They really took on addiction and, and all that stuff. Very well. It did a lot of things well. The kid who played J.D. Vance, he was awesome. The kid who played him at a younger age was maybe even better. They were both great. I just saw in the airport the other day they re-released this book, of course, with all the movie art on it. So um, I kind of want to read the book because I really did like the movie. I'll bet the book is quite a bit different. It would have to be. Anyway, this is just about a guy getting out of the poor rural area he grew up in and some of the things that he struggled with in his childhood that a lot of people in all seriousness growing up you know in California or wherever wouldn't even recognize uh, some of the cultural stuff so i thought it was great but enough about me did you like it did you watch it i watched it
0: with my girlfriend going in knowing it's like one of the worst reviewed movies of the year really see i didn't know that even look at rotten tomatoes the critics give it a 25% Shut up. Audience score, 83. Now, my (laughs) girlfriend had no idea. I didn't tell her anything like, you know, this movie's supposed to be awful. So we watched it. But in the back of my brain, all I hear is people going like, this sucks. And I forget what the argument was, but they said it was a disaster, one of Ron Howard's worst movies ever. And we thought it was fine. Yeah. I didn't think it was bad. I did laugh, though, when you have Glenn Close quoting Terminator 2 Judgment Day. like, And she's like going like, I love this movie. And I'm like... What am I watching? I'm watching Glenn Close as some hillbilly watching Terminator 2. I just thought it was just bizarre. I don't know. It's, it's just yeah. stuck in my brain. It's I don't a know. Weird thing a, thing to thing. On, but. I know it's what. Hey, what's what I think about? All right. And then the other thing that I noticed was like. He has to get his mom into rehab, you know, Yeah. and everybody at the cookout they're at or whatever, they all know about all the rehab places, which tells you what a complete disaster pharmaceuticals have done to the country and how everybody knows about addiction because it's just swept through those areas that no one really thinks about.
1: Yeah, because they they were giving away pills for so long and then they stopped and then people went to heroin and that's what happened. I didn't know about the reviews. That doesn't surprise me, though, because that kind of enforces my point, which is this is that whole crowd that, you know, in the last couple of years, people have been talking about, well, these people felt unheard for so long in middle America or whatever. People use all kinds of pejoratives about this type of culture and uh, they're heard in this thing. And it's a pretty... Uh, in your face, look at how other people live besides uh, us, you know, Los Angeles elites. Like I guess, and, like yeah. Like you and me.
0: I would say, though, cinematically, mm. it did feel a little movie of the weekish. Yeah. Like, I think it worked okay on TV. I don't know if it's like a big screen thing. No. You know what I mean? No, it didn't need to be. I felt like, oh, Netflix, this is a good place for this movie.
1: Okay, I'll agree with that. There were a couple of really good moments, especially right after he went to live with his grandmother. Yeah, with the calculator. The calculator um, and a couple of things where you see her making sacrifices for him to have a better life. Right. Um, We should mention this is incredibly depressing, though. Yes. (laughs) That was my next... (laughs) It is not uplifting. No, you uh, you will be moved, and not necessarily in an inspiring way. This is not Remember the Titans... This is more like, this is not Rudy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) This is, this is definitely Titanic esque.
0: Yeah. No iceberg. No. Just Uh, a lot of hot dogs and fried bologna
1: sandwiches. It's, it's rough, man. But you know what? Remember when we first started doing this, uh, I've always been excited about things that show you another side of life that you might not be familiar with. And this will do that. Uh, This will show you, you know, some things that you might not think are real, but it is real. I mean, people really do live like that and deal with those problems. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. I will say this, the performances by Amy Adams and Glenn Close. I don't know how this thing could get a 25 from the critics because they, I mean, those have to be best actress nominees.
0: Well, I would say so too, especially physically, because at the end of the movie, you get to see pictures of the real people. Yeah. And it looks like Glenn Close just transformed into this grandma.
1: Yeah, and Amy you know, Adams too, really. Yeah, um, I thought the performances were so so good from the two of them, especially. Now, I would have said earlier I was going to say I thought this would be a front runner for a Benji. You know, we never know what the committee is up to or what they're thinking for the Benjis and Purges. Right, it's a very clandestine operation. It is. It <laughs> is. <laughs> but I, I really liked this. Uh, right, I loved mostly the performances. So I think I smell the bingy for at least one of the performances. I don't know. Okay. I will say this. We are in the minority that we even remotely like this. Really? Like,
0: I'm just telling you out in the Twitter verse critics. Uh, it is a despised movie. 83 with the fans though. Yeah. I mean, Twitter. here's the thing. What do we know? I'm asking because right <laughs> now the, the critics all love Mank, right? Oh my God. Mank's So great. Right. They hate Hillbilly. And we, feel, and the we feel the complete opposite on both, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, what do we know? What do they
1: know? What does anybody know, Joe? No one knows anything. That's what I say. That actually doesn't surprise me because Mank is sort of Hollywood, uh, masturbatory, uh, look at us type of thing. And the hillbilly thing, I think people just relate that to Trump somehow. It's just a politicized critic thing. I mean, who cares what the critics say besides me and you? Exactly. Anyway, What's your verdict? Hillbilly Elegy on Netflix, for me, it was a definite binge. And you thought it was a binge for the record, too, right? Or yeah. Light binge. Yeah, I didn't love it, but I did not think it was as bad as people said it was going to be. It yeah. was completely watchable and interesting. I was not bored, okay? I'll bet you if you said uh, something has a 25 from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, I would think... That it has some sort of either Midwestern or religious theme to it. That's a pretty low score.
0: But I think the criticism was that it was uh, playing down to these characters. Hmm. I don't know, man. I read so many reviews of it. I was just like, I can't stop. I can't. What's going on here? What did Peter
1: Travers say? I did not look up Peter Travers. Okay. Anyway. All right. Enough about that. What else? uh, What else do I have? Yeah. You again, man. Keep going. Uh, Well, speaking of maybe a little bit lowbrow comedy in this case, I watched a movie that went straight to HBO max, which probably would have been a theatrical release. Otherwise this is a movie called super intelligence. Melissa McCarthy just came out. Have you heard of it? I think I saw it in the theater years ago. No, no, no. This is the one where she's like the secretary that is a spy. No, that movie was just called spy. I think, I think you're right. (laughs) This was called super intelligence. Now the premise of this is that an AI becomes uh, cognizant. Now, do you know what an AI is?
0: Artificial intelligence. Right, for the folks at home.
1: An AI basically takes over all the electronics in this woman's house and work and possession, anywhere around her, starts talking to her. It's kind of a creepy voice at the beginning. So to put her at ease, it changes its voice to James Corden. That's gonna put me at ease,
0: really. James Corden is my electronic speaking thingy.
1: Yeah, remember like on Ways where you can change the voices. To, yeah, that's basically. I'd what I'd rather it is. have Darth Vader than James Corden, honestly. I think most people would. However, I got to tell you, I'm not a big James Corden fan at all, at all. One uh, more time. <laughs> this this was, this was the least annoying he's been in anything I've ever seen, including his his show. His voice worked better than his. Um, other things I've seen him actually appear in. I mean, he appeared in it briefly, but... I thought you loved him in Cats. uh, (laughs) I haven't seen Cats yet. I'm saving that for a special occasion, uh, like a missile headed towards uh, Los Angeles. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So basically, the thing takes over. She's got to save the world. It's rated PG. Now, I have a question for you. Why is it that critics, uh, again, us, you know, Los Angeles elites especially, why do we look down on... PG, PG-13 movies. I look right down on PG movies. You t- you give a movie a
0: PG rating and it was made after like 1987, I want no part of it. I know. That's my instinct too. Why is that? Uh, because they've turned into like G-rated movies. A PG is basically a G now. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Who is this for? A PG movie? Parental guidance suggested? I don't care. I need at least a PG-13, preferably an R Okay, maybe a triple X, <laughs> yeah, right? <at> but <laughs> but a PG or a G, now granted, my original movies growing up that I loved when the rating system was a little different, you look back, they were all PG movies. The Star Wars, you know, Indiana Jones, all that until obviously Indiana Jones created PG-13, blah, 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 that's a whole other thing. But right now, you put a PG on
1: something, I'm out. I have no interest in seeing it. Okay. Just well, saying. Does that mean that you think it's not good or you just wouldn't think it was for you? Is Toy I th- Story I is PG?
0: Th- is Toy Story PG? I think or, or Toy Story's
1: G. Well, whatever. Point to- being, there's Pixar good gets away with
0: it. I I don't even. You know what? Okay. I don't really look at ratings anymore. I'm an old man. I Just don't really. It's I'm art. not worried. Like, am I going to get into this? Am I going to be able to see this? Is it going to be <laughs> naughty? Am I old <laughs> enough? Right? Do you know that I got carded going to see Showgirls? That was the NC17. You know, yeah. disaster. Show girls, right?
1: well, you Showgirls, right? You would have been what late thirties around then. Right? I was
0: twenty-two. Oh, and I get carded in front of showgirls. Also, while we're waiting in line to see showgirls, Joe Esterhaas, the writer, pulls up in this limo and then he like just gets out and he's wearing like a moo. -moo. He looked like a homeless, (laughs) I look like a homeless woman. I don't even know. And And no one's noticing him except me and my two friends. And then like he puts his arm up like, yeah, rock showgirls, awesome. No one is looking at him, no one. And I'm like, oh my God. That's like some crazy, deranged, homeless woman. <laughs> and it's Joel Esterhaas, And then he gets back in his limo and leaves. I don't know what the point of any of this is, this story. I really don't. It had to do with ratings, right? NC-17 and PG-13. and I guess. What I does w- it have
1: to do with Super Unknown or whatever the hell this is? Super Intelligence. <laughs> I think that was a Soundgarden. That's Soundgarden. Super Intelligence uh, is a family movie. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is very funny. It's a Paul Blart. She's the female Paul Blart in mm. this thing. But I'll tell you what, it was watchable. Oh, God. It was fun. Oh, my God. It wasn't rated. Sorry, there weren't enough four-letter words in it for you. I Demo. don't need to be
0: Look, it's usually PG movies about dogs. Yeah. Ugh, dog come home, right? Dog missing, yeah. or like you know, the dog's gonna come back from Iraq and then yeah. it's gonna find Jesus and they're gonna be a shed. Written in the movie about. Some shed about Jesus. I don't know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, The shed. I think the it shed. Was yeah. Right. All those are PG movies.
1: Yeah. Well, this wasn't that. There were actually some pretty good jokes in it. All right. Uh, Bobby kind of always could have been played by anybody.
0: I like to go on the record. I like him as an actor.
1: Yeah, he's good. Um, I'll get to the credits here. This was directed by Ben Falcone, who is Melissa McCarthy's husband. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. That's all I needed to know. Yep. Okay. So that's what it is. It's just PG. Here's something about Melissa McCarthy, though. We got to give her some credit for her Her range. I don't know if you saw uh, "Can You Ever Forgive Me"? That's the one where she plagiarizes those notes from
0: like supposed famous writers. Yep. Very dark. Good movie.
1: Yeah. So I really like her a lot. This was clearly a money grab for everyone involved, but it's fine. If you're going to put a PG movie on HBO Max, if you're watching something with the family around the holidays, this is not terrible. There's some good jokes. It's pretty predictable like you said it might as well have been the other movie but just different poster I don't know man if you're with kids or with your family I'm watch not with this. kids okay for you gosh you know what man I just gotta say this is <laughs> this is a binge it may not be for demo but for the rest of the world this is a binge that is super intelligence on HBO Max.
0: Well, congratulations, Joe. Two for two today. Are you happy with yourself? I don't know. I'm going to be 0 for 2. Are you ready for my next one? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I chose some winners this week. Here's another thing that I was excited for. Fargo Season 4, because I thoroughly enjoyed Seasons 1 and 2. Not so great on Season 3. This is diminishing returns, Fargo. I think it's time to uh, take it out back and throw it in the wood chipper. I think this is a done series. This is the Chris Rock season. This is the Chris Rock season. This is the most overwritten and underwritten show I've ever seen. At the same time. Yes. If that makes any sense to you. I mean, it has these grandiose ideas, way too many characters, and then it doesn't focus in depth on any of them it's all over the place. And I was like, this show's gotta be almost over. I was like "At episode eight and it's like, no, there's 11 episodes. I'm like 11 episodes. Are you kidding me? Now what the show likes to do, they always leave a little, a little, uh, a little, this is how it connects to another season. So here's the thing. Two episodes in, I already know how it's connecting to season two. Easter egg. Yeah. But then of course, you know, the very last scene of the last episode is like, Oh, this person was this person. And I'm like, who are you kidding? I saw this coming a million years ago. There's no surprise in it. Chris Rock is fine, but his character is underwritten. I never really got an idea of who he was. And there's only two interesting characters in this show, really.
1: And that's Jesse Buckley and Timothy Alphonse. And they are
0: both underused as always.
1: Now, Jesse Buckley was in uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things.
0: Yes, she was also, apparently I forgot, but she had been in Chernobyl as well.
1: Okay. We she's liked a good her actress. A lot. Yeah. We she is Oliphant good. A lot.
0: She's really good in this. She plays a ridiculously over the top character. This nurse, she's a homicidal nurse. She kills her patients. Yeah. Her name is Orietta Mayflower. If that's not ridiculous enough for you.
1: Is she Scottish, uh, like over the top Scottish? No, something? no.
0: She's like Midwestern American. Oh. The other good performance, obviously, Timothy Alfont plays, guess what? A cop. Yeah. Right? And he's like a Mormon from Utah and he's out of his element. He's got a lot of great lines. He's good. Jason Swartzman, eh, underdeveloped oh, yeah. character, could have yeah. been better. There is so much in this that had potential, but didn't because it just follows too many characters. And as a result, you like I said, you don't really get in depth with key characters, Jack Houston plays this OCD cop who's also like, you know, helping out the mob and everything. And it's like, oh, he's got OCD and he's got these quirks and everything, but he's underdeveloped too. And he's kind of boring. And you don't really know where the story is going. You're like, okay, is this going to go this way? I see where it's headed. And then it doesn't, it goes some other direction that isn't even interesting. I'm so disappointed because like I said, Fargo, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch every season. I think Enough is enough with Fargo. It's done. My recommendation is watch seasons one and two. If you want to dabble with season three,
1: maybe, but I wouldn't even bother with four. Yeah. Now we should say this is based on a Coen brothers movie called Fargo. Now Coen brothers, I file under the category of whatever you were doing at the time you watched that. If you were having a great time or playing a drinking game on spring break, in college, when you watch The Big Lebowski, it's one of your favorite movies. Outside of positive association, most of these movies are not great, I don't think. Wow, that's a very interesting take. I don't necessarily
0: yeah. agree with it, but I see your point. Yeah. It took me a while to get into The Big Lebowski, I'll tell you that. My neighbors were obsessed with it, and I would go over there and hang out with them, and it was like, I watched the first 40 minutes of The Big Lebowski eight times before <laughs> I ended up watching the whole movie. I like The Big Lebowski, but it's a weird movie, and I can still not tell you what the exact plot is. Right. To this day, I don't really... Even when it ends, I'm like, am I missing something here? If anybody wants to come up to me at some point and explain to me the plot of the Big Lebowski, I'm all ears.
1: He's trying to get his rug back. I know he's trying to get that's his it. rug back because no, it held it. the room together. Don't over. it. But I'm talking
0: it. about all the, the you know, the kidnapping and the, the <laughs> ransom and the, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And
1: I think maybe that's the point of it. It's wacky, man. But I think most people feel like you do, which is if they didn't watch it and they have some kind of memory associated with watching it, like being in a fraternity or whatever and watching it every single night, Whatever it is. That's kind of how I feel about all the other Coen Brothers movies, Raising Arizona included. I'm just like, what? Can I it's tell you this? And this is, uh, I'm going to make some enemies here. Okay. I'm not a Raising Arizona
0: fan. I know I'm supposed yeah. to be. I'm supposed to think Raising Arizona is like the greatest thing ever. It's got some good lines. It's got some good moments. But sorry, listeners. I'm not a Raising Arizona fan. Yeah. Ah! There's some great moments. I'm not kidding. Okay. I'm not saying it's terrible. It just doesn't do it for me, you know? Like, I mean, we're using the code names. I mean, there's so many great lines in it, you know? But I guess. I think it's overrated. You okay. Know? So, also, before I go, yeah. I'm going to talk about the Fargo movie. I don't care. All right? <laughs> all right. I saw that in the theater with my friends because I went to the movies with my friends at one point a million years ago. <laughs> I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I thought it was the most pointless movie I'd ever seen. But it stuck in my brain for weeks. It finally came on cable. I watched it and I was like, wow, this is a fantastic movie. I think the original Fargo is absolutely brilliant. From originally thinking it was absolute garbage.
1: I had that same experience with The Life Aquatic. I didn't like it the first time. And now I've probably seen it 900 times. Wow. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Raising Arizona is a purge. What about Fargo? Fargo uh, season season four. four, It's a purge. (laughs) Okay. Before we get out of here real quick, There's a series that we've reviewed sort of twice already, so I'll make this quick. It's not really a review. The Toys That Made Us and The Movies That Made Us. Uh, on Netflix. Yeah, these little mini-series they put out every six months or so. They're pretty good. There's a new one called The Holiday Movies That Made Us, and the first episode is about the making of Elf. Uh, If you have any interest in filmmaking, there's a lot of that type of stuff and how the project came together with the studio and the producers, how Favreau got involved. Anyway, I'll, I'll keep this real short. This is about a 40-minute documentary. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so cool. You get to see Will Ferrell. I mean, basically, the studios didn't believe in Will Ferrell at that time because he was some kook from SNL. That's all they knew. It's a great behind-the-scenes thing, if you like that. And it's also very uplifting because the guy who wrote the script talks about his story, how it connects with his dad, and how the movie had so much heart. Um, and they were able to preserve that while fighting against the studio the entire time, of course. So the holiday movies that made us, Elf. That's the first one. I think there's more, but... The other one is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, and I haven't watched that. There may be more coming. I don't know if they're doing them weekly. As of now, there's only two. Okay. Well, definitely watch the Elf one. Um, That's a binge, but we've said binge about the show before, but can I still hit the button? You love hitting those buttons. Yeah, man. The holiday movies that made us, Elf.
0: All right. I'm tired. I'm beat. I'm over this. I can't even believe how much you just talked about the Coen brothers movies. Wasn't planning on that Joe, but we did. Okay. Uh, send your hate mail to Joe. Not me. I'm sorry.
1: Yep. Where can they find us Joe? Oh man. Where can't they find us? Uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, listen, Note, Google podcasts, YouTube. Now pretty much anywhere. Uh, please tell a friend it's the end of the year. We'd like to start the new year off with a billion listeners. So tell everyone you know uh, around the world. Spread the love, okay? For the love of God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm
0: getting bitter. It's the end of the year and uh, I'm wiped out. What can I say? Yeah. But we have the bingies and purgies coming up, our next episode. Yep. Right? So listen to that, what we thought of everything coming out in 2020 and a little bit of late 2019. Should be fun. I still have zero idea of what I'm going to choose.
1: Yeah. I've I gotta got to get word. on that. Well, at the time that uh, this airs, we probably will have recorded it. So call your future self and figure out some ideas. Right, exactly. Are we Go. wrapping this up now? Yeah, or we're wrapping a- it up.
0: For Joe Taylor, my name is Demo. This has been Binge right. or Purge Streaming Reviews. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.